Good morning. I'm Claire Birchwood, and this is Divorce Confessional. Um, this morning, like a lot of mornings, I just find easier to record. Um, but today I want to talk about healing from trauma and what I have found helpful um, for me personally. So if this interests you at all, just keep listening. I just want to start by saying I am not a licensed professional. Um, I don't work in the mental health field at all, although it does interest me. Um, but I'm just a normal person. I don't have any background in this. Um, but I do want to share with you guys what has helped me heal from the trauma um, in my own life. And to share this, I feel like I have to share some of what's happened to me. And I'm trying to do this without, you know... Um, putting in any identifying information, but I've been experiencing some pretty traumatic things since high school, um, so for at least 10 years or so, um, stuff has happened in my life that has left me with a lot of um, emotional, mental scars that I've had to overcome. Um, when I was in high school, I was raped, so... That left me with a bunch of, you know, abuse and stuff I had to get over or get through, really just find a way to, you know, reclaim who I am and um, a healthy life, at least for me sexually, since that happened. And then um, my grandma pretty much raised me and she died when I was 15, so that was pretty traumatic for me to lose someone like that so young um so I went through that and then you know had a few years met my now ex-husband um before we had our son I was pregnant and we lost the baby and it was a little girl and that still really really affects me I think on a daily basis because I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, I should have two kids, I only have one. Um, then after my son, I had something happen where I lost all my fertility. And that was really difficult for me. You know, when I was with my ex, I didn't want any more kids with him. So during my marriage, it hurt, but it didn't shake me. And now that I've left that marriage, you know, with the knowledge that he can go on and have his, you know, new life with someone else and have more kids, it's just really, really stung, I think, for the fact that, you know, I can't, I can't do that, you know, forever. It's only going to be me and my son. And I know a lot of people say, it's like, well, you can adopt. Yeah. I can, but to lose my fertility at 25, that was, that was a lot to go through. Um, and then after that, you know, the abuse with my ex-husband escalated. Um, it escalated during both pregnancies and then finally switched to physical violence right after I had my son, or right before, actually. I remember being on the ground. Um, because he pushed me there, and 
and I was about eight months pregnant with my son and he kicked me in the back like by my kidney like backside area um like I was already down I was already crying I was already shaking and he was going off and he came back and did that um so that was really hard for me to get through and then right after my son um I was very anemic and there were a couple times where he had, you know, we were arguing about stupid stuff, mainly because we didn't have any sleep, and he would just escalate it to physical violence, like he would, in an argument, just like slap me or hit me, and, um, you know, by, I, it's horrible to say, but by that time I was used to it, and then after a few years, I mean, this was when my son was born, and he's five now, and when I started the divorce process, he was three, but throughout those three years, it got worse, um, and I want to share this, and it's, you know, this is all adult content, I really hope no kids are listening to this, but, um, you know, through our marriage, I came to realize I never thought we actually, you know, had sex on our wedding night because we got in really late, we opened presents, we finished a bottle of champagne that we had had, and then we went to bed. That's all I remember. And, you know, my... My ex and I were very religious at the time, and um, sex wasn't something we did before marriage. And so it was something that we were saving. It was something that should have been special. And um, You know, for all the time we were together, I really thought the first time we actually slept together was the day after our wedding. And he kept insisting it was, you know, our wedding night. It took me until my son was three, so years into our marriage, before he finally admitted that, you know, we were both drunk, I had passed out, and then he still had sex with me on our wedding night. So that's where he was getting me that timeline from. And for me, that was really triggering and even though I didn't know, I think physically or like way back in my mind, I knew because it was, you know, sexually was something I had always struggled with in our relationship, um, in our marriage, because I just didn't want to have sex clearly because this guy is physically hurting me. I feel like, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone that is abusive, even if you're trying to make it work beyond, like, aside from your better judgment, your body knows it, and it's really hard to be intimate with that person, you know, even if that's your spouse. So, you know, it was really hard for me to be married to this guy, to, to get triggered around him, 
you know, and not know why until he basically admitted, you know, he had sex with me when I was unconscious. But that's just part of it. That is just part of the trauma. All that I'm saying is just to give you backstory um, on a trauma I've experienced over the past 10 years. And then to have so much shit happen with his family um, before we got married that led to them disowning him personally. You know, they would rather, it came down to, they would rather cut their son out of their lives than, you know, try to make a relationship work with him because they did some real toxic things. And it's not like he cut them out, they literally cut him out of their lives. Um, and I, I think that goes to show, you know, what boundary issues and what, how weak of a character he must have to suddenly be right back there with my son. And I say my son a lot because I feel like I could say our son because technically he is his father, but he's never raised him. You know, I literally gave up everything so our son could have a better future when we found out he has special needs. And so it was just me and him for years and years, even though I was married, you know, my husband didn't do anything. Um, but through the trauma, through the grief, I didn't, you know, I saw a few counselors, a few therapists throughout the years, but I wasn't really honest with it because I felt like if I really opened up about what was going on at home, that... You know, my own family told me he would lose his job. He would, things would be so much worse for me if I spoke up about the abuse. Because, you know, when you're, when you're sharing abuse, there's this, I guess, gray area, not even gray area, but just something that happens where people think, oh, they must abuse each other for this to happen. You know, maybe it's mutual. And I think that is such a huge misunderstanding of abuse and what an abusive relationship is like. You know, in some cases that might be the case, but that is very rare. You know, when a woman steps forward saying, you know, her significant other is abusing her. I don't know and I don't think reciprocal abuse is a thing. I don't. And if it is, I don't think those are the people who come forward because they know it. But that's just my, that's just my thought. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast at all, or if you resonate with what I'm saying, you know, you might have been told that. You might have been told that you must have done something to trigger it. You must have you know, whatever the excuse is, whatever people try to use to minimize your pain, you've probably heard, heard it all. But for me personally, you know, as I went to therapists and counselors and tried to 
work through my issues because again my ex thought that all our marital problems came from my mental health and that is such a scapegoat response to all that was going on um I have generalized anxiety disorder, but that's because it's hereditary. I was diagnosed as a very young person. Um, it's in my family. It's probably something I will always have to medicate because my brain just doesn't work right. You know, sometimes I'll just have random panic attacks for no reason. But I was never on antidepressants. I, I was never really on medication until I met my ex-husband and that's when you know I've been medicated ever since and so for him to say I'm the problem you know it's just it's crazy making classic example of you know gaslighting crazy making um, that a lot of abusers use and that's very traumatic to a survivor of abuse it's very traumatic because it makes you think that you're the problem, that you are crazy, that you're the one who needs help, that they must be such a good person to be with you because you're so crazy. So whenever guys talk about like my ex is, oh she's crazy, you know that's, I have a real issue with anyone calling a woman crazy because this is how you know, I think a lot of women are kept down historically. You know, as as a history of women in general, this is how we've been subjected to a lot of abuse. Um, how our stories have been dismissed just because we're crazy. Or someone says we are. Um, anyway, I'm going off on tangents. But healing from trauma, you know, I had that song at the beginning of the podcast, It's Gravity by Sarah Bareilles, and it's a song about a breakup, but it's just how everything, you know, when you really love someone, when you really truly share your life with someone and then you break up, it's like everything reminds you of that, everything brings you back to that, or um, just the sadness, this weight of the reality of your life without them is just everywhere. And I feel like coming out of an abusive marriage, especially a long-term, you know, relationship like that is very hard. Um, the last thing my ex did was, to me, was very traumatic before I made him move out. Um, and this is really hard for me to share, but we had been struggling sexually mainly because he, you know, did all he did, physically hurting me. He went away on a business trip for weeks and weeks, and then he comes back, and I think it was his first night back, but anyway, um, he brings... You know, this is very triggering, and I'm really sorry if I trigger anyone with this, but I just want to put, you know, a disclaimer. You know, if you're not comfortable listening to this, you feel free to skip or um, move on to the next, another episode. But I woke up, I want to say like 1, 2 a.m. 
Um, and I have to take sleep antidepressants to sleep because of all the trauma he caused. Um, at the time I did, and um, I was very, very much asleep, and I couldn't wake up, and I just remember waking up, I think it was 1, 2 in the morning, and he was, like, fisting me, and that was something we never did, and that was something that really hurt, and I told him to stop, and he didn't. And then, you know, in my clouded memory of that, that happened, of that event, I just remember him saying, he's like, oh, you must have really liked it. You know, after he does all that, you must have really liked it. So at that point, I was like, wow, okay. This is not, you know, verbal. This is not mental abuse. This is not emotional abuse anymore. This is physical. This is sexual. You know, this is not going to change. This is only escalated. He needs to go. He needs to go. You know, this is not going to work between us. Um, because he didn't see a problem with it. And I ended up having to go to my doctor and everything for all that had happened. And, um, you know, I was physically really hurt from it. And it's just, you know, it's hard for me to talk about. It's a lot of trauma that has happened to me and I feel like as I'm reclaiming my my peace of mind, my freedom again, I'm reclaiming my mental stability, my emotional stability through all this. And for me, what helps me is a lot of grounding. Um, what I mean by that is in the morning, you know, routine, routine. I've developed a lot of routines since I got out of that relationship, you know, I find I get mental clarity when my house is clean. I feel like mentally I'm in a good place and I feel like I can control my life when, you know, I change the furniture around, I clean my carpets, I do something where, like paint, paint a wall, paint a room where I can physically see the result of something that I've done. Um, for me, that's been very healing to be able to physically see, you know, almost instant gratification. This is something I've done. This looks good. It feels better in here because I'm still in the same house where it happened. Um, but I've cha pretty much changed everything about my surroundings since. You know, I plan to replace my flooring in the next year or two, and it is going to look like an entirely different place. Um, I've repainted everything we ever painted while he lived here, so it looks entirely different. I've got new furniture, rearranged the furniture I had, put up different, you know, everything is different now. And I feel like that has helped me. Um, and then routines, some things that I do that I find are really, really helpful is to have, you know, a set morning routine, a set night routine. You know, in the morning I do my breakfast, do my coffee. Sometimes I get up before my son on purpose just to have that little bit of time in the morning where I can focus on myself, on my surroundings. I light a candle. You know, just to have a little bit of peace in the morning. It really helps me start my day and then before I go to bed, 
Um, I'll either shower or take a bath if I can. Um, and if I can't do that, I have, you know, since being on my own, I've really found a skincare routine that works for me. And you know, there's like five, six steps in it. <laughs> so every night before I go to bed, you know, I do all the steps. I really treat myself and my skin with respect and I treat it better. You know, I, I, I use good lotions, I use good skincare. And, um, for me, you know, as a single mom, that's just a little bit of investment I do in myself and I think it is 100% worth it. You know, for me personally, I really enjoy treating myself kindly and with care and I feel like coming out of trauma that's so important and then um, the other thing has been physical exercise I took up running again um, since I left my ex or he left me um, and I've been on my own I've really taken up running and through our marriage for different health reasons I have gained you know I think 70 pounds from my son and everything else I had to be on bed rest and so the past couple years I've lost 67 of that 67 pounds of that and that's a lot you know that's a whole lot but I did that because you know I'm getting my life back under control I'm really not only working out, but enjoying working out. And a couple things I do are sometimes I purposely go for walks without music just to listen to nature, just to really, you know, feel the wind on my face, feel the sun on my skin, feel my surroundings, and just tune in, you know, the, to the sound of my footsteps. And for me, that helps some of the trauma. It helps. You know, physical exercise is a great way to relieve stress and anxiety. You know, whatever way you can make that enjoyable, I highly recommend it. Um, my, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I'm a Christian and I listen to, you know, a lot of sermons, a lot of worship music. Um, sometimes on my walks I pray. But my therapist actually shared a um, trauma healing prayer and it's this couple that that did it they recorded it and it is absolutely free on this website I hope to include it um, in the description so if you're interested you can feel free to check it out but it is you know a prayer for healing from trauma whether that's PTSD or physical or sexual, you know, any kind of trauma you've been through in life. It's really kind of relaxing. There's music in the background. It's purposefully led meditation um, to essentially, you know, break those bonds of trauma that you might be suffering from um, and just there's a part in it that I really, really love, and it's about 
you know, asking for healing, focusing your healing on those neurological pathways in your brain that have been affected by trauma. Um, because if you have PTSD, it's different than just anxiety or depression. You know, it's an actual, it's not a brain illness from my understanding, it's a brain injury. So there are areas in your brain that work differently now because of the trauma. And in order to really start to heal from that, um, there needs to be an acknowledgement of that. It's like this is an ailment or an injury. It needs to be treated as such. You know, just like if you were to break your bone and you need physical therapy or let's say you got a really bad burn, you know, on your skin and um, you follow the doctor's advice, you know, you air it out, you change the bandages, you use certain creams, and, um, you know, you, you really have a routine set to heal that specific part of your body, and I feel like with, with mental injury, with, that comes with trauma, we don't really do that because it's mental, we don't see it, so we kind of forget, at least I do, I forget I have all this you know, injury that I need to work on healing and I, I need to allow myself to focus on that in my life. So I'm going to share that. It's called, I think, the trauma prayer. Um, and I will share the link. It's absolutely free. You can download it to your phone, Android or Apple um, from the website. And I just encourage you, give that a listen you know, you can listen to it while you're walking like I do. Um, I was told to listen to it before bed. You know, if you're able to lie down on your bed and, you know, light a candle or maybe some incense or essential oil, whatever feels good to you. You know, just turn some fan on so you can have some white noise. Close your eyes listen to the meditation of the healing prayer that I want to include and share with you guys and just give it a go you know if you like it great if not maybe you know someone it could help um but it has helped me so much through all this and I just want to really encourage you guys like no matter what you've been through you are never too broken to be whole again and maybe your whole again looks different than other people's. And that's okay. You know, when there is significant trauma in your life, I feel like there is such a pressure we put on ourselves to be normal. And I, for me personally, you know, I just have to break that idea. It's like I might not ever be normal quote unquote to the point where me personally like I would have never gone through the stuff I've gone through you know maybe my normal looks different maybe my normal looks like me not getting triggered every day or every week or maybe you know twice a month that's an improvement um so you know if you've been through trauma maybe your your healing Maybe, you know, you will heal completely. Maybe, you know, you'll only feel the effects of that trauma every few months, a couple times a year, hopefully, you know, as time goes on. 
um, but I really feel that you are going to be able to live a normal life. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys, you know, I hope that me sharing some of my trauma helps someone else. And I hope that, you know, me being real open here and sharing, you know, what I've been through is helpful at all. But I'm going to go. This is really long. Um, I just realized it's almost half an hour. But I'm going to include the trauma player, and I hope you guys have a really good day. And if this is a hard time of year or a hard week for you, I just encourage you, you know, to ground yourself, find a little bit of peace in your day, even if it's five minutes, just take some time to acknowledge what you're going through or what you've been through, respect that, and just treat yourself with the respect that you deserve. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.